Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show as we head into our two. Delighted to have with us Congressman David Schweikert, representing Arizona's 1st Congressional District. How are you, David? You know, have you ever had one of those days where you're just exhausted and, and slightly cranky, but outside that? Every day, every day. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I, uh, I try to, I, I, you know, whenever I... I just read a line. I didn't know this quote. Maybe you did. Einstein said there are only two ways to live your life as if nothing is a miracle or as everything is a miracle. I just read that and I thought, boy, that's a nice sentiment to think about. Yeah, it isn't is. It? Isn't that a nice sentiment? Um, I was talking to Sh- John Shattuck earlier, mutual friend, and I was yeah, telling Brad. And, and, and I've known the Shattuck family my whole life. Yeah, so. wonderful people. And I was bragging on my producer, young David, about this fellowship he got in Washington, D.C. And you know what Shattuck said? He said, have Schweikert take him on an evening dome tour. Yeah, I'm working on it. Which is I'm exactly what you said it. you were going to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, he gets in early, 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 David does, on a flight. Well, so I told him to go straight to the Old Ebbett Grill for breakfast. Good advice? Yeah, it's fine. I have no idea. Remember, you know, when I'm here, you're just sort of trapped. Um, you know, let's see, it's six o'clock here and I'll have meetings till nine o'clock tonight. But, you know, that's what you should be doing. Yes, you um, should but be. You never but get, he's a tourist. But you never get to see <laughs> yes. the city. You never. I know. You know, I, I, I've only really been in downtown Washington, you know, two, three times. Um, because they you race from meeting to meeting. And those K Street lobbyists, that Gucci Gulch group, isn't taking you out to those fancy yeah, steak dinners. Yeah, uh, probably a third to half my meals come from the vending machine. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> but, but look, it, it, it's always hysterical when you're watching television and you see the motorcade yeah. driving the congressman yeah, yeah. or this and that, going, huh? It's nothing. I know. I know. I remember my first day in Washington uh, over on Second in was it Massachusetts? There was a gas near the old Heritage Foundation. Is my address right? Somewhere around there. And there was a gas station, old dilapidated gas station there. My first day there, I saw David Dreyer pumping gas into a 1979 Caprice Classic Chevrolet, and I thought, (laughs) okay, you know what I learned about DC, and you know, not all these guys live it up, you know. Well, it's an interesting discussion. Um, You know, we have the old family saying, um, money, power, vanity. Um, Most of everything in Washington is about the money, but for the members, it's vanity. Yeah. And and, and sometimes that's a little cruel. Uh, There are a number here who it's just a passion. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I keep thinking every morning I wake up and... And you 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 caffeinate yourself because I have a coffee problem, and say, okay, I got to save the country, I got to save my kids, I got to save my state, I got to save the world. And by the end of the day, you know, you you're just completely beaten down, but you got to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. and and I guess that's just life. That's how all of us live. Well, when you're passionately driven for a good cause, you know, the cause well, is everything. Well, but I'm constantly. It, it was one of my New Year's resolutions. You and I talked about this. I was going to try to be less angry at everyone for not understanding the seriousness of what's going on around us. Well, okay. I mean, there's a time for anger, I suppose. I want to actually talk to you about something that should make people angry. Um, I think this is coming from the Joint Economic Committee, of which you are the vice chair, correct? Well, remember, the way we do that is you rotate the chairmanship 
So the Senate has the chairmanship. Okay. I had the vice chairmanship, which means I have the Repub- I'm the chair of the Republican yeah. side. Okay. And this year the Democrats have the the title chairman. Okay. And then next year rotate and you know it's it's just it's. But yes, I I have the Republican side of the Joint Economic Committee. Oh, okay. And they were holding hearings on something I was talking about the other day: the high cost of housing prices. Well, and I wanted remember, you to say that's something. That's not about actually that. what the hearing was about. Okay. Remember. This was the the Democrats got to choose this hearing because we rotate back and forth. Mm -hmm. And it was availability. And the point I was trying to make is so many of these incredibly liberal municipalities that preach at us, you know, we need, you know, subsidized housing. We need this and that are the very ones that you couldn't build a house if your life depended on it, Mm -hmm. whether it be regulations, environmental rules, taxes, bureaucracy, and... Apparently, uh, someone just told me that the San Francisco newspaper was just taking shots at me mm. from the hearing we just had two, three hours ago because they didn't like me bringing up the fact that Berkeley, one of the most liberal communities in America, um, uh, has blocked affordable housing uh, attempts there. Um, so uh, they want all the liberal stuff, but they just don't want those poor people around. Yeah, what is that? Is that a version of not in my backyard all over again? Yeah. It, it's but it's the nimbyism of duplicity. Yeah. So you're going to preach at us that everyone else should provide this type of housing except in their neighborhood. Yeah, kind of like these nullification or what some people call sanctuary cities that don't think they have to abide by well, that, laws against Yeah, them. well that's another type of theatrical hell. Yeah. Um, think about the the mayors and the city councils that are screaming the most, yeah. the sanctuary cities, because they had a free option. If you're Chicago, D.C., New York, you know, they weren't near the border. Yeah. Hey, we get to be a sanctuary city right up until population started showing up at their doorstep, and then they're losing their mind, mm-hmm. and they get to understand what we've been going through since the Biden administration took over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it's... It's, there's this concept of free option. You you can be a liberal, have all these free, say all these wonderful things, free options, until you got to actually deal with it. Yeah, no, it's it's totally true. But let, let 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 me go back to the housing issue for a moment because you know it used to be something young couples. I remember commercials, bank commercials, bank commercials on TV when you and I were growing up were usually about, you know, young married couples getting their first house. And by the way, those young married couples were usually in their 20s. And by the way, they were usually getting married in a church. But that first, you know, the bank there to get them their first house. Average salary in this country now is somewhere for two incomes, somewhere in the $85,000 neighborhood, if I'm not mistaken. And the salary you need to buy a house is now $120,000. It's out of reach. This dream is out of reach. So what drives that lack of affordability on the house? Yeah. And as supply cider, mm-hmm. I would say supply. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how many units do you have? Um, and for us in Maricopa County, um, we have a real supply problem. Now, do you want to have some very difficult conversations of how much state trust land should be moved into housing? Um how many opportunities are there for where there's federal land that basically um, you know doesn't have a lot of recreational value um, could be put into places for people to start to build the American dream? Mm-hmm. And that was 
part of the purpose here is regulation, bureaucracy, financing costs, um, nimbyism, just the, the try to get entitlements on a piece of land where it can take you years of lawyers and financing costs and those things. Um, it's like we've stacked the deck. Now, those of us who already you know own a house in the community, you know, um, the shortage helps our values go up. Sure, but it screws over our kids. Sure, sure. But interest rates and inflation have something to do with it too, don't they? Um, yes, but it, it, you still have to look at the number of homes that were being yeah, purchased. Yeah, no, there's in still the an inventory issue, right? An inventory. Yeah, you know, so it, it's still an inventory issue and um uh and i sometimes feel like i'm in a community um that the balance of okay here's all these apartments but those are transition properties to one day being able to buy your starter home and then the next home up and there was always this concept of you sort of moved up Mm -hmm. you know i mean i started with this tiny tiny little house and you know, I've had like nine houses since then, so today I have a bigger house. Mm-hmm. But that was part of the way the American dream worked. Um, and the I theme don't song know of if the young people have that chance today. Yeah, no, I mean, it was. It was the dream song. It was the theme song in the Jeffersons, right? We're moving on up to an yeah. Yeah, <laughs> east side apartment, please don't right? Please, in the sky please or don't something like that. that. Yeah. You can trumpet, but no singing. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough, David. Thank you, sir. Always love, appreciate you checking in with us. Thank you very much. All right. All right. We'll you talk to you care. soon. You got it. I'm Seth Leapson. 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio. Brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted Source for precious metals. Let's see, where do I want to go? Bill in Apache Junction. Hi, Bill. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, okay, I uh, was listening a little bit to your conversation there about housing costs or unaffordability, and uh, it just makes me wonder how much uh, the market is affected by companies like BlackRock that buy up a lot of properties and turn them into rentals. Uh, Blackstone is what I think you mean. No, I think no, it's Black. I think the... it's Blackstone. I think it's Blackstone, not Blackrock. They're two different companies. I think I think it's Blackstone that's in the real estate investment market. I know there's been a lot of confusion on that. I know Robert Kennedy got in a lot of trouble by saying it was Blackrock and then had to do a correction. I think it's Blackstone. Also, it makes me curious about the. Uh... You see all these uh, home buyers on on TV. You know, we buy your home and let you stay in it for six months, and it's just like uh, <laughs> let you stay in it for six months. What does that mean? Yeah, that's know. what you ever see, you know, like Andrew the home buyer. What is and, that? Uh, well, I, I don't know what that I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. We'll let you stay in <laughs> six months. You got <laughs> if you buy your home, it's your home. I would think. I, I would think. Yeah, be careful on that BlackRock, Blackstone thing, because I know there's a lot of misinformation on that. And um, it's not a small issue, actually, uh, what, what what some of these firms are doing. But but be careful on that. I know Robert Kennedy had to turn himself inside out on it when he got into it and mislabeled it. <clears throat> In any event, um, thank you, Bill. Uh, you know, the 
the drum beat must I how do, I don't know how liberal and left wing writers keep going and doing what they do. I just don't know. I don't know if they're just like great white sharks that don't care. All they have to do is swim and eat and make other little great white sharks. I don't know if it's that or if they're mission driven. I just don't know. But they say the same thing over and over and over again as if they just hit an F7 macro. Over in the Atlantic Monthly Magazine, David Frum has a piece, The Ruin That a Trump Presidency Would Mean. He's been writing this column, as Jonah Goldberg has been writing these columns, as Pete Weiner has been writing these columns. These guys write the same column over and over again. The Ruin That a Trump Presidency Would Mean. Do they ever go back to my monologue in the first hour? Do they ever ask what a Trump presidency actually meant? Because it seems to me that the fundamental basis of science, including political science, of any kind of analysis, is that if you have a basis, a history— an example, you can use that. In fact, you should use that. If we've been there before or if we've had experience with something, then maybe you go back to that. What did a Trump presidency mean? It meant they were condemning him all the time, yes, but what were the indicia? What were the indexes in the country that were taking place? What was going on in the world? So David Frum has a new piece in the Atlantic Monthly, The Ruin That a Trump Presidency Would Mean. Just take it from the top with me, folks. In 2016, Republicans could profess some uncertainty about the kind of president Donald Trump would be. Maybe the office would change the man. Maybe the party elite could bend Trump to its will. But in 2024, there's no uncertainty. Trump's party is signing up for the ride knowing exactly what the ride is. Pro-Ukrainian senators are working to elect a president who will cut off Ukraine, knowing that he will cut off Ukraine. How do you write that sentence? How do you write that sentence? Does David Frum know something that Donald Trump has not said or intimated? As far as I know, the most clear statement Donald Trump has made on Ukraine was with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News this past, last summer. And he said something pretty different from what David Frum is saying and, quite frankly, pretty different from what a lot of his supporters think he stands for. Because that's a little bit Trump. I mean, it's not always a consistent position. I understand that. He moves with, with different analyses, even on similar issues. But certain things he's, you know, I'll quote you, Donald Trump on Fox News last summer with Maria Bartiromo. Talking about how he would have how he would have prevented the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and what he would do with it about it now. He would say, and I'm quoting directly, I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give him, meaning Zelensky, a lot. We're going to give Ukraine more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. One day. Does that sound to you like someone who's going to sell out 
Ukraine. Does that sound to you like what a lot of people think Donald Trump stands for? When it comes, that's the interesting thing about Trump. A lot he is an interesting vessel in which a lot of people pour what they think he stands for into him. And sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. But if you're David Frum, how can you say there's no uncertainty? They are electing a president who will cut off Ukraine. Cite, a professor might write, question mark. What do you cite to to get that point? And is there any consideration about how Ukraine got invaded in the first place? It wasn't under Trump. It was under the guy who beat Trump or the guy who um, the guy who challenged Trump saying he would have a better foreign policy. And you now show me what part of foreign policy of the United States is better. He inherited Afghanistan, not under the control of the Taliban. He turned it into the control of the Taliban. He inherited an Iran whose wings were clipped. Iran is flying high right now and lobbing missiles flying high at American at America vessels and Americans in, and America's allies vessels. He inherited a safe and secure Mideast peace process. He's turned the Middle East into pandemonium. He and he every single thing he inherited a pretty solidly and secured border. He's turned it into no border. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Okay? If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Joe Biden is turning this place into a nullity. And yet this is what they publish. They just publish this stuff as if there's no history and there's no present. There's only a future prediction based on nothingness. Friends, the folks at Midas Gold Group have told me the U.S. government and the Fed will have no choice but to eventually steer interest rates lower because if they don't, the current level of interest rates will bankrupt the nation. There's no telling when the dam will break, but when it does, Midas wants to make sure you have flood insurance, in this case, gold. Call Midas Gold Group now. Look into the opportunities gold can provide you as a way to diversify your investments. Call 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. Midas Gold Group is the nation's number one veteran-owned gold IRA firm. Protect your assets. Call 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out at Midas Gold Group. Always faithful. MidasGoldGroup.com. Let's go to Bob and Payson. Hello, Bob. Hey, good afternoon, Seth. Hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you, sir. I listened to your conversation at the beginning of your show. It might have been in your uh, dialogue. I don't know. So I decided to go to ASU and look up what discrimination is and means. And I looked under ACD 401. I have no idea what that stands for. In parentheses next to it, it was Academic Affairs Manual. Yeah, okay. I've, I've, I've been through that myself. That's a fun little tour, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting. No, there's a lot in that stuff. Yeah, I've, I've, I've plumbed through it myself, I have to confess. Yeah, exciting life. <laughs> yeah. Basic definitions. Discrimination. Failure to treat people equally mm-hmm. via race, color, religion, national origin, etc. Mm-hmm. Action to be taken if a faculty member is accused and proved 
and discriminated termination of that employee. Yeah, what was it, ACD what? Termination of that employee. Yeah, but give me the site, ACD, I want to I have. ACD 401, it was, on ASU. Okay. And in parentheses, it said Academic Affairs Management. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, ACD. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's their own bylaws and own rules of the road, and they, I, I don't think anybody's being terminated, are they? No, no, they're not. They're just going to go on and on and on uh, saying things like uh, the hiring of a black faculty member for Barrett is one of ASU's top priorities. Top priority. This is a this is a definition of eventual failure of a society, I believe, Seth. I think uh, Well, we're going Parker backward. That's that. the problem. We're going backward. And, yes, sir, we are. you know, it's 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 an odd thing, you know, at this state. In the world and in the life of the United States of America or in human development with all the money and all the education and all the access to education and access to money and access to health, uh, knowledge about health, everything that we have achieved through the long march of history and life of man and all the learning that we have gone through through the study of history and all the advancement we have made in science we're going backward we're going backward in life expectancy we're going backward on race we're going backward on drug use we're going backward on chronic homelessness we're going backward on suicide we're going backward on education outcomes it just is inexplicable unless you can point to a vector or a cause of all of this. And I think I have. I think I can. I think you have. I think we can. There is an ideology that is fueling this, and it's an ideology of destruction. It's an ideology of destruction that people either want to paper over or ignore or not admit to because they hate something. That's the part I have yet to figure out. What is it they hate? Is it self-loathing? What, why do they hate advancement, life, sobriety, sanity, equality? Why do they hate all that stuff? And you heard what the State Department said today, sir? What? They decided to declare the Hooties a terrorist Oh, yeah. Oh, I meant to mention that. Thank you. Yes. So, yes. But they're going to do it in 30 days. Yeah, and they're only doing half the job, by the way. It's only one of the delistings that they are relisting. Or Yes, one of the delistings that they are relisting. So Donald Trump had put them on the foreign terrorist uh, uh, on the as a designated foreign terrorist organization. Biden cancels it because he's smarter than, than Trump. And now they're going back to it. Maybe this is an optimistic sign. Maybe next week, maybe next week, Bob, they'll reopen the Keystone Pipeline. Maybe next week they'll restart the Abraham. Maybe they'll realize just doing the opposite of Trump is not a successful governing strategy. But then David Frum would have nothing to write about, I suppose, because then you would have two parties standing for the same thing. But, yeah, yeah. Opposite of Trump, maybe maybe point to me one of those opposite of Trump things you've done that has improved us. You're already backtracking on terrorism.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug's in Maricopa. Hey there, Doug. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Seth. Uh, another one of the endless great shows. Oh, thanks. You're very kind. Hey, now, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, quote a uh, great thinker and kind of go off on, use this as a jumping board to what I was thinking about to explain uh, Trump supporters like myself, who are basically used to be thought of by many as establishment, but have gone over to the MAGA mindset. But here's what he said. I don't know if it sounds familiar to you. Just another future pre- uh, prediction based on nothingness. Another. Is, is that what that I said? Familiar? I think I said that. Did I say that a minute ago? <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. I thought you were going to cite me like someone smart, like Aristotle. No, well. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, I was prepared to like, I was hunkering down. It's like, okay, gosh, let me get it right. Let me get it right. Let me get it right. Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, see, uh, as far as intelligence, uh, between the two of us and the smarter one, I stand boldly behind you, oh, you so know. Good. So, um, well, here's what I was thinking. <clears throat> is that if you look at the left, the left does this all the time. They make bold predictions of what they're going to do to solve societal problems and all the programs that have to be put in and all the great things. These are future predictions, but then no one ever follows up the great failures one after another. And they can't figure out that why at some point after 40 or 50 years, someone might say that's just baloney. They've been saying this and solving nothing for 40 years. Or in the environment you have, uh, you know, they, they took some of the 40 or 50 of the top environmental predictions of global warming. And uh, it's 100 percent failure on every one of those predictions. Uh, these future ice caps are going to be, by the way, we're supposed, we don't have any ice caps because all the environmentalists said they were going to be gone by 2014. So you may think we have ice caps, but they know better, you know. So it's failure after failure with these future predictions, and it's the same way with many establishments. <clears throat> but I would like to draw this in to say it's the same for many of us with the establishment Republicans. We agree with them. I am one, basically. I like to get along. I Reagan was just my all-time favorite because he just had this great, soft uh, you know, feel to him in terms of how he dealt with people. But here's what happens. Sound conservative and have all kinds of uh, you know, pontification and, oh, my God, I can't disagree with anything. Nothing gets implemented. Mm. Nothing gets changes and this goes on year after year decade after decade the the established the bureaucracy grows the regulation grows the power of the state grows the spending grows the spending grows do you know we've spent like 30 trillion dollars in the war on poverty since 1965 child poverty has decreased about two points since that expenditure of 30 trillion dollars about two points yeah yeah. So so this is why it doesn't matter how conservative you sound anymore. I don't care. You're as worthless to me and the movement as a liberal, because here's why. I, by the way, I want to say that I take great privilege and in, in, in honor to say that I have, uh, you know, 
you have some great guests, and I just hold them, and they're they're the best guests on on any of these radio shows. They're just great people. And uh, but what was said a couple Tuesdays ago was that uh, we need to advance a small little increments, you know, at the end. And God, he just he's just wonderful to listen to. But here's the trick: I would like to add to that. We need to move our movement ahead in small increments. But what happens is we never do because we are worried. Think about this. The only time a leftist is quiet and agrees and nice to you, they're not even really nice to you if you agree with them. If you even suggest a 1% drop in their 8% growth, they're screaming. And so we are the, the establishment's idea of advancement is that it's a 7% growth instead of an 8% growth. It's never, but here, logically, you can't say our movement is advancing until you start to say it's a reduction. And it never is. Never a reduction in spending, in regulations, bureaucracy. In you know judicial activism, nothing ever comes our way. So we're all in the MAGA movement is like it's baloney. This incrementalism because here's why: we have a 40-year track record to say what did you do ever, and so they're good people and I they're my kind of people, but we have to at some point like I did about five seven years ago in saying that ain't the method to advance doesn't work and we got to try something different. It may take a patent who is a little bit more offensive to people, but he was the only one in World War II that could advance on the Germans and scared them. Trump is our patent. and But many of our establishment is more worried about how sweet you talk and and, and their, their constant failure never baffles them. They're still self-righteous to write those kind of articles you just talked about, and it just doesn't phase them at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, you like General Patton. I want to put in a word for General um, Oliver Smith. Do you know that name? Yes, I do. Oliver Smith from the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir. You know what he said? Retreat? Hell, we're just advancing in another direction. <laughs> yeah, that, a, <laughs> that we need to think about yeah. that line too. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I like but, that. But so, so can can we disagree? But basically, here I stand with many of my fellow Republicans and conservatives, and I agree ninety nine point nine percent. My only difference is, show me. Don't tell me we got to be nicer or we got to have more style or he's a little rough. Show me where your method. Because we have a track record now where it has worked. You also had another guest that said he he prefers his presidents to be quiet and go away. That is why he can talk as conservative as he wants, but he wants the kind of a president that makes liberals happy because he can't be quiet, and the press and liberals will never let him go away if he's going face-to-face with him. And, you know, and so we just got to admit the fact that we can't do that. How could we have ever gotten rid of slavery if the Grimke sisters and the abolitionists decided that we just wanted our president to go away? As brilliant orator as Lincoln was, he some people off and they were screaming. I'm up against it. Hold on. I got to take a break. Sorry. 
Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment that really invests you with power. It's the secure collateral. It's a secure collateralized portfolio, but there's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. You can compound your income. You can turn it on or off, whatever you like, and it will offer you an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return, not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Why Refi? Can you can learn more about them at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y then R E F Y dot com, or give them a call at eight 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 Y Refi twenty four. Eight 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 Y Refi twenty four. I have a short segment, Doug, but I wanted to make sure I got everything you had on your mind before we. Well, I think I think that was pretty it, but pretty much it. But I just want everybody to think about this. It is not. In principle, that the differences in our party, for the most part, uh, you know, disagree too strongly. Now, we do have some major issues that we disagree. It's in how we're going to implement this. And the days of implementing it as we had for 40 years are over. And by the way, when I suggest I disagree with some of your guests, I do this with thinking they are some of the best. I look every, I wait every week for the Holman Hour. You know, they are just the best folks. They're great. And they're uh, oh, bright. is Holman the example you had on the incremental? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. If it is, okay, yes. I know exactly and, what you're talking. about. It was with no, Lincoln's and, view. And here's the, it, no, it was with yeah. Lincoln's view having to get rid of slavery. He was Lincoln was yeah. not an abolitionist. He was not. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And 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 I agree with that. We yeah. have to be incremental. But you can't really say you're incremental until you're going the right direction. Slowing the leftist march is an incrementalism. Frederick Douglass you know? said of Lincoln, he moved slowly, but always forward. I like that. Young David, we have a quick half minute, and I know you needed to go. What does your pin say? You wanted me to ask you about your pin. You, you, you didn't look very hard at my pin. Today, I never look at I? your pin. Well, that's an insult in and of itself. Okay. You're on my pin today. I'm on your pin? I didn't run You're for president. You're on my pin today. This is a gift from our promotions department. Oh, yes? Did you hear about this? What's that? Uh, it advertises our Fighting for Freedom event on March 26th of this year. Fantastic. You haven't talked about that yet today. You're on here. Brandon Tatum's on here, and Mike Gallagher's on here. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful event. It's going to be at Arizona Christian University. It's March 26th, my dad's birthday. And uh, fantastic. Uh, I and Mike Gallagher and Brandon Tatum will all be there. You'll be there. Be a great get-together. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. And maybe you'll see me wearing Seth Leibson on my lapel. You can do better than that. (laughs) We'll be right back.